0: La Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I'm your host. Every week I get to interview a beautiful, courageous, strong woman who is willing to share her ugly and beautiful with the world. Must Love Self is a podcast, a movement, and a decision. It is about women lifting other women up, women holding each other women accountable, and women finding their way along this path. I hope you enjoy. La, 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 I have Samantha Hugh again on here, and she's going to introduce herself before she does that. I just want to, full disclosure, <laughs> the two of us collaborated on my other podcast about divorce because she's an awesome therapist. And it did not get recorded, so we threw down brilliance, magic, probably the answers to the universe, is questions, and it's just not available to anyone.
1: Will ever know what we said. No.
0: So she is so lovely that she's agreed to come on, must love self, and really get deep. And we have the recording in the corner. It's on. Samantha, tell us who you are.
1: And I'm just going to say, I'm like watching it. Like, I'm like, please don't go away. Please don't go away. Let it always say recording. (laughs) Hey everybody. I'm Samantha Hugh again. I'm a marriage and family therapist that specializes in sex therapy and an author in the metro Atlanta area. And I'm super stoked
0: to be here today. Me too. So I want to start with my first question, which is why did you say yes
1: to this? Yes. because I thought you were cool. And then I was like, this is a great concept. And then, you know, again, going back to the other podcast originally, it was because I think you were looking for like a therapist approach to um, the questions on divorce and relationships and all of that. And then through that, I just was like, yeah, let's go. But the truth
0: is, it's all connected, right? So the way that I started the whole thing was I wrote my memoir, I found out that I really love co-parent coaching and helping other women through that challenging time. And that's why I wanted you on to discuss, you know, sex and love and relationships and intimacy. And then I was like, wait, it's all about this. It's all about our worth and our voices and who we are and being comfortable in our bodies. So we're going to, you know, get into all you do with that. Would you mind sharing how old you are?
1: I'm 32.
0: And have you ever been uncomfortable with your age?
1: no because I don't really care about age like it's only been till recently that I've been like whoa I'm like 32 like what does that mean what does aging mean what is it getting older mean I remember when I turned 24 and I was like I should have always been 24 <laughs> I don't know why but I was just like yes 24 is it and then I hit 30 and I was like let's go let's party let's go and it wasn't and just till recently it's just been like I'm aging Like, okay. And what
0: does that mean to you?
1: uh, Well, so so I think because the popular discourse around aging is that your body falls apart, that you become like this little like shivelled up mushroom grape thing. And... I am now questioning like what that means. And I'm questioning like where all that came from, the patriarchy, these weird um, internalized ideas of beauty and and these standards that are impossible for all of us to achieve without maybe some assistance like going under the knife or what have you. And so to me, aging is just embracing who you are, growing into that regardless of what you look like, but also being aware that if you do value how you look and, um, and all that, go for it. I think I'm working very hard personally to be okay with aging and being like, all right, I need my body to work for as long as possible. So sometimes I do just like anyone else get all up in my head about like, do I need Botox? Do I need this? Do I need this procedure? Like, what am I going to look like in 10, 30, 40, 50 years? Uh, God willing. But then I always come back to but will my body work? And that's what I want. I really just wanted to keep on. That's so
0: important. And I always want to address this. I have no judgment on what any woman chooses to do with their outside of their body or their inside of their body. If they want to do Botox or nip and tuck or nothing and let their hair go gray and not care about any clothing or whatever, it's not my business. And it's all about whatever makes that woman feel most close to who she is. Yeah. that And right. Is very I mean, powerful. And as women, we have to stop talking about each other's choices and how we're, we're living them. It's not our business, but I love what you were talking about more than anything about. I want my body to work. I want to walk on the beach when I'm 80. I want to okay. be able to bend down and pick up seashells. I am not in this crazy idea, no matter what I choose to do with my body or not do with it, that it's going to look that like it did when I'm 24 that's just crazy pants right right but you know how, yeah, like, have you ever seen a message
1: though that people is what they did when they were 18 and younger and it doesn't it didn't dawn on me until I know thank you TikTok that I was like holy crap that's like babies those are like children why do I want to look like a child when I am not I'm farther away from being a child now than I ever have been before I can't go back. Like I want to be healthy and and that to me means strong, slim, being able to move in ways that I want to. So be able to do yoga, climb a mountain without getting winded. um all of that. I don't even know if my 16, 17 or eight-year-olds, their 18-year-old self could do that. (laughs) Right, I actually think I could do more
0: stuff now. And what I always wanna remind everyone is just because Samantha and I wanna be strong and slim enough to be able to climb those mountains or do whatever we wanna do, that doesn't mean that if you're not strong, air quote, or you're not capable of doing those things, that there's anything wrong with you. I think what we really need to get to is this idea that whatever is right for you, Yes. is what you want to do right yeah. so I want to get to my scale not the kind that you stand on because I don't okay. like. I was like whoa no yeah everybody gets out and I asked a woman the other day what her number was and she's like do you want to know my weight I'm like I do not want to know your weight I promise you because no, it doesn't mean anything it's no just, and by the gravity. way for any right. out there like me who had issues with weight and number, besides the fact that I threw out my scale because my coach told me to and it changed Good. my life. I also just recently found out that on my medical app for like my doctor lab results, Mm -hmm. you can remove your, your weight because every time I opened it, it would like show me it. And and I don't, it doesn't really work well for me. Um, like, like that number is not who I am and it bothers me. It's like a trigger. So you don't have to live in that world. Um, I want to get to the scale and here's how the scale works. Must love self focuses on three areas our body image our worth and our voices mm-hmm. I want to know between 1 and ten where you are today and when I say one and ten one is my inner voice is really mean to me and oh. ten is my inner voice loves me or it leaves me alone where oh, okay. are you with your body image of yourself
1: I Well, full disclosure, y'all, I I have not like gathered myself, meaning I am still in my workout attire, a huge top knot on top of my head with tendrils falling down. I would say a 7.5.
0: What is the lowest it's ever been?
1: Maybe a three and a half or a four. When was
0: that in your life? Ooh
1: probably growing up with my family of origin because I have that wonderful hourglass body that yes I know everyone's like coveted yeah great but I grew up in a household that it wasn't and that it was actually frowned upon so I was grew up in a house that called me Jlo which again you would think would be a great freaking a compliment but used as a teardown it was used as something evil and not well and so I think when I lived with my family of origin so my sisters and my father and my mom that was probably the lowest point because if that is when I think my body dysmorphia really decided that that was that was where it was going to bloom and show up and I have carried that not forever. I've, I've been in very good therapy. So mm-hmm. I have worked on myself, but I do know that it can get triggered um, depending on how much social media I'm consuming, how much time I'm spending in front of a screen looking at bodies that are deemed beautiful by society.
0: Just that idea that in one culture being JLo is exactly what you want and then in your home it's an insult based on how they say it and what is behind it and Every time I talk to a woman who had a story of their childhood where they were not treated well about how they looked or something that was, air quote, wrong with them, Mm -hmm. there's like a little piece of my own broken heart that feels repaired because I want to connect with yours. But there's also another piece that feels broken that you had to endure that and that you didn't have someone to go. F that. Like, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. And to say just a little bit more about my family of origin, they are hyper fixated on appearance. For whatever reason, I don't even know the answer to that. But I do know, like, growing up in a family fixated on how you looked and appearances, it was rough. But... I wouldn't be where I am today without that. I know that's, I mean, it's not great. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not excusing them whatsoever, but I'm a therapist because of the hardships. I'm a a therapist because I don't want people to feel that way. I'm a therapist because I want to be the voice of reason for somebody else because I couldn't find one.
0: I love that so much. What would you rate your scale of your inner voice being mean versus kind or leaving you alone with your own worth, knowing your places in society, in career in your family in your relationship
1: interesting I'm I'm gonna go through this week because earlier this week it was in the trash (laughs) not not in sense of like my voice being mean but my idea of self-worth being just like my idea of worthiness was just very fragmented not nice and distorted like truly distorted for not I don't even know I could have been an episode I have no idea but I was just like wow it's just a low self-esteem time but today I would say I'm hovering around like an eight and a half, nine. Feeling, I know, what,
0: you can't I figure know, out what was going on.
1: Oh no, no. Oh, well, I mean, there was stuff. Uh, so I write books. Right. So I was just feeling like, I don't even know why I got this thought in my head. I was like, nobody reads my book. Yes. They're not being read. Yes. Like, I, they're not reaching the people that I hope that one day they reach, you know, like I don't know even where that idea came from, but that's where it started. And, we stayed there, and again, I'm a therapist, so I have a certain set of skills. That yes, I can't therapize myself, but I do know coping strategies, and I have a great therapist that has helped me cultivate my own coping strategies on top of my education. And so, I just knew it was just a moment in time.
0: Yeah, it was, just and you a- were able to keep walking and acknowledge yes. it. But what's so interesting that I can completely relate with, and a lot of the women I speak on here that are professionals relate to, is our worth at this point in our lives is not so much on our body. Cause we're kind of like, that's pretty clear. Like that's like crap yeah. Yeah. is it's about what are we putting out in the world? What are our numbers? And now, because there's so many metrics to give us our numbers, just like the scale. Yeah. It's just like these numbers that are measuring, they write yeah. and they hurt because they're not taking into account other things. And that's when my inner voice lies to me and says things like, what's the point? But what I want to share with you that's been really helpful for me is, so I'm sober in recovery. I was told that whenever I lead a meeting, which is sharing your story, I'm told this, that there's somebody in the room or in the universe that needs to hear this specific message that I'm sharing, even if it's just one person. And I might never, ever get to know who that person is. And you and I both know as being writers who put stuff out there, that we get those messages and that those messages come. And I tell people, your message changed my whole day. Yeah. Thank you for, because t- here's another thing that I learned about worth and about voice. We can experience something awesome and beautiful from somebody else or something that affects us in a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. If I don't stop and try to let that person know in some way how they impacted me, the gift that they gave me just dies. If I let them know, even if it takes one minute, a message, yeah. a quote, a comment, a share, that information comes back to that person who try to put it out there and feels like we do vulnerable and is right. this even matter? Right. And it gives us this feeling, not of approval, but of thank you. I can keep going. Yeah. So it's a reminder that I do that a lot with people. Like I want to let them know, like you matter.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Last one. What would you rate? And I kind of know this because you're such a badass. Um, what would you rate your ability to use your own voice to advocate for yourself? Oh, a 10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <I could love laughs> Has it 10. ever been lower? Again, going back to my family of origin, possibly, I feel like the work that I'm doing now in that realm on myself and my own therapy has has led me to believe that I I let things go. Um, And I never spoke up, even though I thought I was speaking up in my mind, I never physically spoke up. So I, I believe that when I was at home in the great state of Michigan with my family, uh, I think I hovered around it too.
0: What were you afraid of?
1: oh the abuse that comes with speaking up especially in a family uh, what feels- are you
0: called when you speak up in your family because I'm the one in my family that speaks up and I, ha- I get labeled with that
1: Ooh, um just the you know the normal bitch um selfish
0: do you ever get your overly sensitive or you take everything personally
1: uh drama queen is what. My drama queen called. me too yeah I never had a nickname growing up never had an. I always wanted one. my sisters had many of them I never had one but my dad always called me drama queen, and I am theatrical in how I move. Forward. We can't see y'all because y'all are on podcast. <laughs> but I am theatrical in how I move my body and present myself to the world. I had to go through immense therapy to realize the difference between um, being a drama queen or being dramatic and being theatrical. Just because you show up theatrically and you like move your, hand, I do have to talk with my hands. I'm doing it right now. Um, does not mean that you equate to a drama queen, and so that took a lot of years to.
0: To unlearn, Yeah. And to own like, you know what? Yes, I am loud. Yes, I am intense and I'm an energy and a force. Mm-hmm. And you might perceive that in this way because you're coming at it from this place. But I like how you talked about how you had to do a lot of work to get to a place where you actually own that. Like my youngest son is like that with he's like me. And I don't like when people say it's a negative thing about him. I'm like, no, he's going to rule the world like this. Yeah, like this, these kids, his emotions Yes, they're very intense. He's got glitter storms that are happening a lot, but like you have so much creativity with that. So I want to get into the childhood. So Hourglass, J-Lo, how many sisters?
1: I have two younger sisters. So you're the oldest? Yes.
0: Will you tell us a little bit about what you saw or were told or not told in terms of what a woman is supposed to be like or not be like?
1: Um, Quiet, uh, meek. Uh, put together beautiful I remember my grandma always saying putting on lipstick and that's not a read on her because I still do love lipstick but I just remember the idea was put together and you know I live in a patriarchal society just like everybody else but I feel like the idea was to be as beautiful and as ornamental as possible and as skinny as possible Mm. Like I remember being thirteen and sitting there, and I guess I had rolls, or like you know when you like sit over your like body has. Everyone these, like- does, <laughs> right? Yes. My grandfather, God bless him, was like, "You got to watch what you eat. You're gonna get pudgy." <laughs> I'm like, "It's just my fucking body, man."
0: <laughs> so were your I- sisters? Did they have yeah. a different shape than you?
1: Yes. Uh, so I'm five eight. They hover around five, ten, six six foot. Wow. Reps. Yeah, we have a very tall family. And, and even my cousins are like <laughs> taller than me. Um, but I, one sister has very lean, long legs, but does carry weight around her middle. And then the younger one, I, I believe is still like me, a little bit hourglassy, but a little bit more slender.
0: So they didn't get called J-Lo.
1: Just me.
0: And what was it like growing up with sisters and what did you hear from your mom? Like, as an example, what was, you said that being skinny and ornamental, was she like that? No, no,
1: no, 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 no. This was so, so weird. It was like, the idea was this, but the actuality didn't uphold. Like it wasn't.
0: So they weren't like that. that. They were just saying you should be like that.
1: Yeah. I remember like the biggest thing outside of the JLo comment was I have, Rather large breasts too. Obviously, you guys, I'm not hourglass. Like it just big, little bit. Like whoopsie. whoopsie, How old were you when you got boobs? Maybe 12, maybe 11 or 12, but not like I didn't get boo boobs. (laughs) I call boo boobs. Boo boobs. Until I was like 17 or 18, but I had little nubby nubs until like since I was like 11 or 12. I remember being so you didn't
0: get like looked at and um about your body at that 12 year old it was more as a teenager
1: no I always got comments it was don't slouch you have goals um don't slouch because you're hiding your boobs oh don't hide your boobs you don't even have any and then it wasn't until I was later in my teens that it was just like oh (laughs) that's a woman's body but really when I think about it wasn't a woman's body it was still a child's body that's like what the hell right (laughs) where did all this come from
0: and What was that like for you, like in school? Like, how did you feel about yourself? Did your was you were you self-conscious about your body or was it more about like your achievements in school? What was your struggle when you were growing up?
1: How do I get out of Cedar Springs, Michigan? I mm-hmm. couldn't leave fast enough. I hate that
0: what didn't much. you like about it?
1: Uh, <laughs> conservative, non-multicultural. I am multicultural. If, what I didn't say is I'm a Latinx and Jewish lady. Uh, so when I rolled up to Cedar Springs, uh, it was not that, <laughs> it was not open. It was like whitey white Whiterson. And I, I appreciate the lessons that I learned from that city. I did not enjoy being there when I was there because there, again, there were these ideas of how to be a woman and what is expected of women. And like, everybody really had this vibe of like, you're going to marry your high school sweetheart and just pop out kids. And I was like, Oh, get me out of here. I don't want this.
0: You didn't (laughs) feel like you fit in.
1: Not at all. Not at all. And that's why I don't live there to this day. It's a great place. It's wonderful. That red flannel festival, super wonderful. I won the red flannel festival queen. (laughs) pageant that they had, but again why did I do that pageant now that I think about it like why did I do that it was a beauty pageant and then you asked like what I had growing up and like I thought of that pageant as ooh practice to do public speaking uh they had wonderful scholarship money and again I was trying to get out so I was like let me get this scholarship money I think I could do this and what I learned from that was again like community service is what I took from that experience
0: It's so interesting. Yeah, (laughs) from
1: the outside though, they were like, there's a beauty queen. She thinks she's so pretty and she thinks she's this and she thinks she's that, but she's really a bitch. And I'm like, I just want to leave. (laughs) I just want to get out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. When did you
0: figure out that you wanted to be a therapist to help other people find that voice and be the voice that they, that you needed so much?
1: Uh, Grad school. So I have two master's degrees. I have one in women and gender studies and I have one in marriage and family therapy. So I was halfway through my degree in women and gender studies at the university of South Florida, teaching their human sexuality and behavior class when I stumbled upon this thing called a sex therapist, and I was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> it sounds great. And I had already started getting the inkling that I, I'd love to teach. I still teach. I still do workshops, yada, yada, yada. But I realized I was very good at the one-on-one. I was very good at listening and honoring and helping through storytelling. And verbal storytelling, obviously, I turned into an author. Y'all, half of my life is a wild ride. Like, I didn't <laughs> think any of this was gonna happen. But I remember watching this documentary called The Clitoris and discovering what a sex therapist was and then going down the rabbit hole of how do you become one, which I didn't discover if you get another master's in marriage and family therapy, you get certified as a sex therapist, da 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 onwards, upwards. And so I was...
0: What did your family think about this since they were so...
1: Them, as in many, many, many others, think I, they thought I was going to have sex with people. <laughs> like basically be a prostitute.
0: Like you're going to help like guys jack off.
1: Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with sex work. I think it's great.
0: Again, no Not judgment. A sex therapist. Right.
1: <laughs> I do talk therapy with a focus on sexual issues, problems.
0: I want to ask about this, what you see in terms of struggles that women seem to be having that are affecting I'm not talking about body stuff because we all know about body stuff. I don't know many women who have not had an experience with sexual assault or rape.
1: Oh, everybody has. And if they haven't, if they say they haven't, they're lying or they so haven't thought. About I want
0: to know how you are seeing this in your practice and how women who have been through such trauma can get to a place of worthiness and voice and strength.
1: Uh, find a therapist that you super trust that you drive with, that you feel like you can open up with, that will save space for you. I do not think anybody can do the work on their own. It's too big. Uh, so to answer your question without giving too many details away, because that's unethical y'all, mm-hmm. the, cross the board. If I can connect with a client that is a survivor, regardless if they're, they're female or not, he could be male because there are male survivors. That opens the door for people then to feel safe into going back to that place they feel that they can open up, but they also have to be ready, right? I've worked with a lot of survivors that we tiptoe around the issue for a very long time and that's fine. But again, you trust that therapist enough to get you to the other side when and if you're ready. And trust me, the therapist, we know. Even if you don't know, we know. Um, A good one will talk you and walk you through it, but we know when you're ready to get into that work. Uh, So I think if you can find a trusted professional that will create a safe place with you, you can get to the other side. You can get to that healing space and you can find worth again. I do not think it is a quick uh, journey.
0: (laughs) The only way out is through, there are no shortcuts. Yep,
1: and it's a lifelong journey because just because you make peace with it doesn't mean something won't trigger you um, down the road or brush up against something that might make you go, oh and then have to maybe go back. So I would create a lifelong relationship with a therapist that I trusted that I could cultivate a space to talk about X, Y, Z.
0: It's so true that it's a lifelong journey. I was listening to a crime podcast this morning and every single time a woman speaks about a rape that happened or a sexual assault, Mm -hmm. I get to relive the feeling of why didn't I speak up? Why didn't I report this? Why, what? why didn't I have anyone around me that I could go to that would say, you need to go and do something about this. And the guidance I got was shit, unfortunately. And that's part of my story. So I get to help other women when they have that experience to say, look, I get to live with decades of regret that I didn't get to do this. And you get this opportunity if you want to speak up for yourself, right? And yeah, yeah,
1: even if you don't want to, that's still fine. That's still right. okay. Like whatever journey you decide, that's acceptable and wonderful. And everybody's here to. Well, yeah, I would hope everyone is here to. I love you. That's my dream. <laughs> but I know, see, um, even to this day, I still get assaulted pretty regularly because of the line of work that i do i've had men call and masturbate on the call i've had people come to the office and think that they were getting a prostitute session or a sex work session whatever they want to think and they've had to be bye-bye. see you later you've got i can be a weapon if i need to be i do
0: mm-hmm.
1: believe it at that i do know some things well enough to uh, de-escalate the situations
0: because you're a professional
1: yeah. If a therapist can do it, so can police, but that is another story. Oh, that's a whole nother <laughs> podcast.
0: I want, do you remember the, you shared with us? Why waste time worrying when you, when can, you believe. can believe, tell us what that's about. Why you chose that one.
1: When I was in grad school for my first master's, we proposed graduation and to, to answer a bunch of questions with all the knowledge that you've acquired up to that point in the program. And I was so nervous. I put my heart and soul into prepping. Spoiler, I passed. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you guys, I passed. And I remember finding this quote just because I was like, just believe. Just believe. Like, even if it all goes to pot, like there's things in place for you to like do your best. Like just, ever since then, that word, and I think that word has been... Even when I think back to my childhood, you know, that Prince of Egypt, you know, I love that movie Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a song like when you believe and that song always spoke to my soul. And so believe it should just be the word believe really means something to me. I love it. It's beautiful.
0: That made my heart real happy. Are you ready for lightning round?
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Tell me what the lowest point of your life was.
1: Is it funny that I don't, I don't think I think of life like that.
0: That's great.
1: I think life- Can you think is- of
0: a shitty point that we can Yeah, discuss? I could take
1: us some shitty points. Give me a shitty um, point. When my husband and I were fighting real bad that we didn't know if we were going to continue okay, our relationship. perfect.
0: I want you to tell us what you would say to yourself then from you now. Oh
1: my gosh. Well, I think I'm the same person.
0: <laughs> so I
1: guess I would just be like, hey girl, que tal? Um, mm-hmm. But also I would I would just say- You're doing the right thing. Do the work, put the work in. You're doing the right thing.
0: What would your 80 year old self say to you today?
1: God, I hope she says I'm proud of you.
0: What do you think you're going to have to do in order for her to say that?
1: Keep living authentically and stop worrying and believe.
0: And believe. (laughs) And believe. What does it mean to be beautiful?
1: Authenticity, vulnerability, and connection to self and others.
0: What does it mean to be a strong woman? The same thing. What would you like others to say about you?
1: That she had a wicked sense of humor. She does. (laughs) Thanks. And her strength helped. And however they want to say helped.
0: If you found out you only have six months left to live, what do you want to do with the rest of your time?
1: Probably what I'm still doing and finish the book that I'm working on (laughs) just in case.
0: (laughs) And who cares how many people read it?
1: Nope. Who cares? It's done. She's already dead. She moved on.
0: (laughs) She did. Last words. You get one piece of advice for every woman that's listening to hear what do you want to tell them.
1: I love you you've got this and no matter what happens it's inside you
0: tell us how we can find you where we can read your books and all of that good stuff
1: oh books are everywhere it's called the starless series there's three out right now the fourth one actually is we just announced that it's coming out in august in the wake of stars is the final installment of the starless series so you can get that wherever you get your book so you can find me at samanthahugan.com that is a a lot. So if you search the sci-fi therapist, that's also me. But Samantha Huguen, H E U W A, G E N, and I really hope that's in the show notes because I know it's Yiddish. Got um resources for therapy, resources for healthy relationships, book information, whatever you got, keep it there.
0: Yeah. Thank you for your time. Your energy You're is so infectious. I think that we are gonna be stuck together for a very long I time. I and I am taking believe from today. Hey girl, so it. thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback, and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day. And one more thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La, 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 la